It's that time of the year again. The biblical feast days are upon us and more specifically, the festival of Passover. And as God is bringing about this revival of spirit and truth all across the world, he is not just restoring to us his truth, and that is his biblical feast days, the keeping of his commandments, his holiness. But he's also restoring back to us how he wants us to celebrate them in spirit with the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. And I want to submit to you that this brings us to something that God wants to restore back to us in this feast of Passover itself. And that's why I'm going to call this teaching the forgotten Passover, because, oh, brothers and sisters, there has been something that many of us have lost sight of and forgotten about this feast. You know, there's something that Paul wrote regarding Passover, and he even warned the Church of Corinth. Some of them have died because of not understanding the revelation of Passover to the fullest extent necessary to partake in it responsibly. See, I want to submit to you that we many of us came out of certain denominations, certain churches, sects within Christianity, whereas we did not have Passover celebrations. Instead, we celebrated something known as communion, right? The bread and the wine, that which Yeshua introduced in the Last Supper, a in that sense, very biblical idea. And then some of us, you know, we we got wind of this idea of the biblical feast days of God, the fact that God has given us a feast of Passover and there are these beautiful elements involved with that, right? Like there's to have the feast of unleavened bread to cleanse our houses of the leaven. There's to the picture of cleansing our houses of sin, of bad teaching, of pride. Right. There's the bitter herbs and the Sabbaths of rest, these high Sabbaths we ought to keep in the midst of the feast. And we we get so hungry because we start realizing that all over the scriptures, we see Paul and we see the Yeshua and we see the early church talking about these feasts that they have been keeping and then that we feel like we ought to return to. And what we start doing is we we have a very defensive posture theologically. And what I mean by that is we study the word in order to defend our beliefs regarding why we believe the biblical feasts are important. And and that's beautiful. We need to know we need to have a hope for why and the reason for what we believe. But then I want to submit to you that sometimes when we are so caught up in what something is not, we get miss, we start missing out what it actually is. And so today I want to speak to you a little bit about that journey now, that next step 
that I believe many of us are about to take, not just for celebrating Passover for for what it was given in the Torah, but celebrating Passover for how it was revealed by Yeshua, because there is something that he did reveal deeply at the Last Supper. And I want to submit to you that in this defensive posture of trying to explain that Passover is different from the very traditional Christian idea of communion, we subconsciously even start developing a distaste for the idea of communion. And in the least, we start minimizing the bread and the wine element of Passover in our celebrations. And usually this is not our intention. And sometimes it's because we really, truly lack revelation about what it really represents. And so when you recognize what it actually is, there is a deep reverence. There is the, the Passover is no longer just a, a checkbox. It's not just a, a thing we do, but there is a deeper understanding for what it all is actually about. And that's why Paul wrote with reverence, saying some of you are sick and have even died because you don't understand the reverence you ought to have. But yet it's understandable why there are so many confusions surrounding this topic, because, well, we've had to battle so many false theologies. For example, transubstantiation, the Catholic theology, the idea of that the bread and the wine becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus, which we then consume. Or even simply the idea of replacement communion. That is that communion becomes the thing that replaces the biblical law of God, the feast of Passover itself. And so it's easy to look upon these errors in theology. However, we should be careful to not let other people who have misused what God, what Yeshua has given us and let that cause us to miss what he actually did give us. So let's get to the bottom of this. I want to just start with this word communion that we all know. Some of us have no problem with it. Some of us were on the fence about it. The word communion in of itself, the meaning, the etymology, that is the origin of it in the Latin communis. It means to be in common, in public, shared by all or many, general, not specific, familiar, not pretentious, or the service of Christian worship at which bread and wine are consecrated and shared. So the word communion is simply a term that refers to what Yeshua did with his disciples at the Last Supper with the bread and the wine. The word is not the problem that we should stumble over. What is important is whether we actually understand what Yeshua was doing with his disciples and what it all meant. 
some people who already keep the biblical feast of Passover, when they hear the word communion, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we know what that is. That's just the Passover meal. But see, this is where the problem begins. For those of us who are already keeping the feast of Passover, we like to consider how we do it by looking to the book of Exodus and the practices given through the Torah and the prophets. And that's good. However, we must recognize that when Yeshua was keeping the Passover with his disciples, it was all but traditional. Yes, he did have the bitter herbs. Yes, he did have the unleavened bread and all of the other elements that are biblical involved. But Yeshua did things differently. And the focus of his feast with his disciples was something very new in many ways. I want to submit to you that as God's plan of salvation unfolds over the ages, he continues to reveal and give more revelation through his feast days about that redemption. And so this is what happens with the Feast of Passover. God comes in the book of Exodus and gives it in that form, which is biblical, which is true, which is relevant for us today. But at the same time, when we look upon it, we see God says in the book of Exodus 13, 14. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him by a strong hand, Yahweh brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. God tells us what Passover is about and what it's to be remembered for, to remember how he delivered us from Egypt. But Yeshua comes and what and what he does, he really is declaring that Passover is all about me. I am the Passover lamb. And I have come to bring deliverance to all who are in Egypt spiritually, to all who are in bondage to the systems, the beast system of this world, as Israel was in Egypt. So all of us are in bondage before we see him and are delivered by him, enslaved to sin. And it's only by him, his power, by his sacrifice and his ascension into heaven that pours out his spirit, that we can be free and unshackled from our chains. And with this, Yeshua gives something new, the bread and the wine. Matthew 26, 26. Now, as they were eating, Yeshua took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so what does this mean that When we partake of the bread, which represents his body that was broken for us, we participate in the brokenness of his body. 
His body was broken so that we can be set free. His body was broken so that ours would not need to be broken. He died for our sins. His body was broken so that our bodies can be made healed whole by his stripes. We are healed. And so when we think about this bread and we we eat it, it's God, I'm partaking in what Yeshua did for me as I bite into the bread. It is like how he was crushed. It is like how he was pierced in his side. It is who he is and what he has done for me. And oh, he is not just a piece of bread. He is not just any bread. He is not just a piece of matzah or unleavened bread on a Passover table. He is the way, the truth and the life and the way to eternal life. Yeshua even says, look, I am different. I am not like the manna that your fathers ate in the wilderness and they died. Whoever eats of this bread, he will live forever. Do not confuse me with anything else. Do not lower me to anything less than what I am. The bread is further explained to us by when Yeshua was in the wilderness and Satan came to tempt him. And he said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, because the word of God was his sustenance, was the bread that he lived off when he was fasting from ordinary bread. And so in a similar way, I want to submit to you the bread also is explained by Yeshua when he speaks of the man who goes to knock on his neighbor's door to look for bread for his guest who is coming in the book of Luke chapter 11. And Yeshua speaks about this and says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is your father in heaven eager to give good gifts to those who ask of him? This he said about the Holy Spirit. See, brothers and sisters, the bread and scripture is both the word of God, the truth and it is the good gift of our father, the Holy Spirit. The bread is the spirit and the truth. The bread is to worship him in spirit and in truth. That is why when Yeshua was speaking to that Samaritan woman and revealing, I am looking for worshipers of spirit and truth right thereafter, he meets his disciples and they ask him, are you not hungry? And he says, I have a food, I have a bread that you do not know about. It is to do the will of my father who is in heaven, that worship of spirit and truth. And so the moment that we eat of that bread that represents his body, we are committing all over again to worshiping him in spirit and in truth for us to love and walk as he did in the obedience to his commandments, but also to worship him in spirit, to lay our hands on the sick and see them recover, to cause our demons to speak in tongues or whatever spiritual gift that he has for us, whether that's dreams, visions or prophecies, we commit 
to walking as he walked in all that he is because he is his body was broken so that we can partake in what he has died for. And he didn't just die for us to be saved. He died for us to be empowered. He died for us to receive a Holy Spirit. He died and paid a price for that, too. And that's why when we eat of him, we commit ourselves to that. Next, I would like to speak to you about the wine, which represents his blood. It is how we participate in the blood of the covenant. His blood that was shed for us is his sacrifice for us. And it is the sacrifice that we ought to follow in. He calls us to also pick up our cross. He calls us also to become a living sacrifice. He calls us ultimately to live a life of repentance. In the book of Hebrews 12, verse three, he says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But Yeshua did shed his blood for us. And so when we partake of the wine, we have to be reminded that he paid a price with his blood for us to have what we have for our sins to be washed clean, for us to be made white as snow, for us to enter eternal life, for us to be face to face with the father once more. And if that's the truth, then it means that I need to resist sin, no matter the cost, no matter what it takes, no matter what sacrifice I need to make, no matter what I need to give up in this life, no matter what I cherish and need to repent from. I will do it, O God, because you shed your blood for me. And that's why in the book of Hebrews, he says, well, you have not even shed your blood physically as he did. Resist sin then and do not let it come in the way of what Yeshua has done for you. Do not let it trample underfoot what Yeshua has done for you, but resist those temptations for his glory, because you are to be in the image of Yeshua. You are to be like one who lays his life down for this greater kingdom of God who that is upon us. John 6, 53. So Yeshua said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. When Yeshua spoke to the crowds and said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was likely the most controversial thing he said that day. (laughs) And many, I'm sure, were very confused. The question is, is Is the bread and the wine, his body and his blood, and as it was given by him at the Last Supper for our Passover celebrations, is all of that simply symbolic or is there something spiritually happening, something supernaturally happening? 
when we partake. See, while I do not submit to transubstantiation, that it literally becomes his body or literally becomes his blood. That's not what I'm going to talk about now. However, we don't have to believe that to believe that there is something supernaturally in the spiritual realm occurring. See, baptism for long times of past has been seen as a mere symbol, a ceremony, a little ritual that we do. And when someone comes to faith, we praise God for it. Yes, but we have learned on this channel already that there is so much more to baptism, that there is something supernatural, that it allows you partake, to partake spiritually in the crucifixion of Christ, to die as he died and be raised as he was raised, to have the old man die and become a new man. Please go watch my baptism teachings for more on this. But just as God has restored and reformed our minds to what baptism is, so I want to submit to you that he's doing the same with communion, the bread and the wine. Then the bread and the wine, the communion, whatever you want to call it, when we drink of it, we are likewise participating in the death, burial and resurrection of Christ in that moment, spiritually speaking, that there is something absolutely supernaturally occurring in the heart of the man and in the spirit of the man and that the Holy Spirit is moving upon us as we do to create in us a character in his likeness. Because he as Yeshua died and his blood was spilled and we drink of that through the wine. In that manner, we partake in his sacrifice. And so likewise, we can participate in his resurrection from the dead to be seated at the right hand of the father. Because what did he do when he resurrected? He said, it's good that I go because it means my Holy Spirit, I can send to you to be with you. And what is the role of his Holy Spirit to empower us to worship him? His, the Holy Spirit is the bread that we partake in that allows us to walk and worship in spirit and in truth. And in that sense, we celebrate that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we participate in his resurrection. John 14, 12, because I am going to the father, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Brothers and sisters, there's something that I would like to humbly submit for you to consider. In times of old, the centerpiece of every Passover celebration was always the lamb. But I want to submit to you that the centerpiece of Yeshua's Passover celebration was the bread and the wine and letting his disciples partake in him. The the other elements, even though they were biblical, were not the focus of the explanations in Matthew. And that is because Yeshua wants us 
to have the centerpiece that was in his Passover celebration become the centerpiece of our Passover celebration. That is for him to be that centerpiece in the form of partaking in him with the bread and the wine. But when we do so, let's not do so casually. I want to submit to you that if we partake in him in that manner casually, there will be casualties. In times of old, just as it is written that, well, if there was someone who would die for transgressing the law of Moses, what worse punishment do you think there will be for trampling underfoot the son of man? And in the same manner, when we are now talking about Yeshua becoming the centerpiece, what greater transgression and consequence it would be for us to casually approach participation in him on Passover. This is why Paul warned us about this so deeply and so greatly. And I want to submit to you that I have been grieved. Sometimes I have been in the midst of Passover celebrations where, well, there is no truthful understanding nor reverence for what we truly do. If we even do participate in the bread and the wine for what it is, do we do so with absolute reverence? Paul writes to the church of Corinth who had this problem, and he says the following 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person therefore examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Do you know that it is possible for you to be found among the crowds who screamed out, Crucify him, crucify him on his day of death. You will be found in the midst of that crowd if you decide to partake in his body and partake in his blood in an unworthy manner. Because Paul says, if you do so, you will drink judgment upon your own head because you will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Messiah. What does this mean? It means that as we partake in his body and in his blood, we must examine ourselves. We must say, oh, God, I have fallen short of your glory. Oh, God, I have made mistakes this year. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, help me to be better. Our, our repentance 
must be our hard posture. And we must come and be like, oh God, the fear of the Lord is upon me. Oh God, I am about to partake in what you have done for me. And oh Lord, I am not worthy of this, oh God. But thank you, Lord, for dying for me, for breaking your body and shedding your blood for me. This reverence, this repentance, this understanding of what we're doing must be upon us. And when we when we host this communion, this intimate gathering of fellowship of believers to partake in him, we must be explaining what this is so that no one partakes who does not understand or who does not feel ready for it. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that this church of Corinth was instructed by Paul to rather go eat at home. Don't come here hungry just so you can eat to be filled, just so you can drink to be filled. This is a type of participation of eating and drinking that is not about your fleshly desires being met, your fleshly hunger or fleshly thirst being met. This is about a spiritual hunger and thirst being met. And so come with the right hunger to be filled. Yeshua is not there to satisfy your flesh. Yeshua is not there to satisfy what you want out of this life. He is here to satisfy and heal you first and foremostly eternally for eternal eternal redemption to save your soul. And now you can understand why the Passover is the only biblical feast of why God came and said, this is a feast where you must be circumcised to partake in. You must be circumcised in heart, as Paul explains to us later. That is, you must be one who is a believer in Yeshua, professes and gives your life down on the altar for him, a real on fire believer. If you want to partake in the Passover meal. See, this command was given in the Torah in anticipation of the revelation that Yeshua would give us on the day he was dining with his disciples. And so now today, I want to submit to you that Yeshua desires to dine with you. He desires to be in the midst of your Passover celebration. He desires to be the centerpiece of your Passover celebration. And let's ensure that he is and that he is welcomed and that he is glorified and that his body and his blood is central in what we are reminded of that he has done for us. And then what he calls us to live for. I would like to end this with a word from Yeshua himself. He says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And so even as we partake in the wine, we must remember that Yeshua is fasting that participation in the wine as his commitment towards us 
to state that the next time he will partake in it, he will be doing so in the new kingdom to come with us. He is honoring us in such an incredible way by making this promise, even being the king of kings that he is, he having everything in possession abstains from this beautiful thing, the fruit of the vine for our sake. And so let us not forget him. Let us honor him through partaking in this as he honors us through abstaining from it in this time. And then we will one day sit with him and drink with him, which will be the first time that he drinks of it yet again. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your incredible, the incredible beauty of your sacrifice for us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your blood that was poured out for us. I thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would restore this reverence for what you've done back into our Passover celebration. So, God, let this not be a checkbox, Lord. Let this not just be something we hastily do. But Father, I pray that every soul this year that participates in the Passover would find greater meaning than ever before and be reminded in a greater way than ever before in the sacrifice that you have made for us. Lord, I pray, Father, for the world and the fallenness therein. Help us to be the light of the world that you have called us to be, to worship you in spirit and truth, to be a witness to the world all around us, to not let our light grow dim. Let us not partake in the bread, but then we do not become vessels that share your bread with the hungry spiritually and physically. God, help us to actually not just celebrate a feast, but celebrate that feast throughout the year in the way we actually live that feast out. Father, glory to you, glory to you, glory to the Son. Thank you for all in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for joining me this Passover in this manner. I am honored that you have. Please share this video. I believe that this reformation, this restoration that he is bringing to us is important for the whole body to hear. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have partnered with us this feast season. If you want to partner with us and make an offering to the Lord in this manner, you can visit riseonfire.com. Many blessings and shalom to you.